You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor. I'm joined by Luke Savage, Senior Academic Development Manager at Sony Interactive Entertainment UK. Hello. Hello. It's <laughs> quite a lengthy title there. <laughs> I, like, I like to think I'm the, the man with the longest job title on your podcast. Yeah. Can I get that? So far, yes. Excellent. Um, but excellent. Like helped by the Sony Interactive U- Entertainment UK. You could have just said PlayStation. That would have shortened you down a bit. Noted. All right. Noted for next time. <laughs> We're also joined by Marsha Deakin from the Next Gen Skills Academy. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you do at the, the Academy and what your role is? Yeah. Hello. Um, next Gen Skills Academy works with the VFX, games, and animation industry, specifically linking them with education and training in order that the most relevant and up-to-date skills at all. Okay. Um, thank you very much for your time today, both of you. Uh, this kind of follows on from an earlier episode um, we recorded earlier in the year, which I, I hope, was hoping to get you on, Luke, but um, yep. you're, you're a busy man. Um, we spoke way back at EGX Res in London back in March about how the different routes into the industry and how people can find a career in the industry. Um, I kind of want to talk today about how what the industry does to reach out to new talent and not necessarily those who are already looking for a job um, in games industry in the games industry and already kind of have developed a game or two but those who are still in education those who are, who are considering who you know, who one day I want to grow up and become a games person um, of some form be that developer publisher PR etc and um, so I mean I kind of broad question to begin with like how do you define the industry's relationship with academia? How well does the industry work with universities, schools, colleges, etc.? That's a, all right. Let me start. Uh, that, that, it's good. The relationship's good. I think I can be the general uh, guy on that one. Yeah. Uh, from my own experience, I'm, I'll do my quick plug here. So we have a, an academic program here at Sony, which I manage, uh, called PlayStation First. And that's all about how we inspire and encourage that next generation of developers. So I work with a lot of universities, a lot of colleges uh, around Europe, uh, essentially um, allowing them to access PlayStation hardware. So the same hardware that any professional developer will use to make games and release them on PlayStation, universities and colleges can use that hardware as well. And so students can learn to make games on PlayStation. And I think that's a really good calling card for students when they leave university. They can say they've built a game using a next-gen console. Mm. And at NextGen, we have a really dedicated team of um, employers who work with us and meet with us every two months, um, including Sony, uh, Microsoft and Ubisoft, and actually directly engage with FE colleges that we work with. Um, So we have industry going in to deliver masterclasses. We have them doing industry briefs and actually feeding back to students. So there is a real will from industry to work with with education it's just finding the right kind of conduit for them to do it mm. I think yeah and I think that's that's a, a good point there's a huge amount of goodwill amongst industry so we've sat at a lot of yeah. round tables together Marcia we go to a lot of events uh, and we bump into each other and there's no lack of passion from people in the industry wanting to to give back because most of the time, that's how we've come into the industry ourselves. Yeah. Someone's reached out to us. Someone's made that effort and given us that advice or opened the door for us. So you talk to most people in the industry, then you know, they're, they're doing this already. They're talking to their local university. They're talking to local college. What I think helps is having that, that forum, like whether it's a Next Gen Skills Academy, whether it's things that Yuki do, and I think Yuki do some really good work in this area as well. Lots of other organizations are doing it as well. I don't want to uh, favorite anyone. <laughs> 
but there's a huge um, ecosystem. It's just about how we feed into that, really. I guess so we don't have a, um, a piecemeal approach. You, you want it to, to have a legacy. Whenever, you, whenever someone gives a talk or um, helps out a student team, you want that to, to lead to something and not be a, a flash in the pan. So I think that's a challenge that we face, both from an industry side and from the education side. Like how do you make the most of these connections and have them build to something and not just be, we've had someone come and do a talk for us today, that's that done. So yeah. I think that's, that, but that is, that is a challenge. Mm. I think Luke's right in that you need that feedback loop. You need, it, it's, it's brilliant when people can go in and do um, a one-off masterclass and or talk to students or give advice. And in the three years that I've been working with NextGen and working with industry, I've never had anyone say no. You ask someone to help and they will always stand up and be willing to go in. I think the important thing as well is to make sure that that becomes meaningful and there's that feedback of information from university or from FE and it isn't just a one-off and then everyone walks away because there's value in that relationship. Mm. It's interesting because whenever I look into this area, I always kind of hear two sides of the story. One is that, as you say, the relationship is great and so many people in the industry are happy to help out and go to the universities and kind of give talks or help, you know, do internships and, and basically connect with, with academia and explain that this is what we need, this is what we want, and this is, you know, we're willing to help you provide that from, through your students. But then I hear the other side, which is, well, universities aren't providing the, the quality of candidates we need, their practices aren't up to scratch. I say universities because that tends to be the, the, the topic I hear, but yeah, the, because that's, that's the natural route, seemingly the natural route is from university into a job. So that's the level I'm often, uh, I'm often um, talking with, with people about. I, think, I mean, you mentioned PlayStation first, you know, subtly plugging your own program there, which, subtle, is, yeah, subtle, which, yeah. which is fine, which is fine. <laughs> but as you said, but it, it, it's kind of important like that you, you get people working on current hardware and mm. current development yeah. practices and I know a bunch of universities use you know, you know Univer uh, sorry, Unity and Unreal mm. and you know a number of tools makers have kind of a educational licenses and, and make educational versions specifically mm. for universities, colleges, schools and so forth so that people are using the correct tech but then some studios still seem dissatisfied with with what's coming out. I mean, like, how how can we improve on that? Yeah, that's. Can I do a quick lament then? Can I say my my only lament here is that to like in today's world, I wish I was growing up in today's world where you just mentioned it, right? So middleware, game engine companies. There's never been a better time to be in the space of I want to make games. How do I get into industry? Mm. And if this yeah. if it was like this when I was growing up, I'd you know I. I'd love to think where I'd, you know, I'd be, well, actually I'll end up in a pretty good place uh, where I am. So I'm very lucky. <laughs> so maybe my lament isn't, isn't that great. But, but today you're right. So for example, you can, we can go home right now and, and make a game on Unity. We can make it on Construct 2 if you want to do that. We can make it on Game Maker. We can make it on Unreal. So university has to give them more than that, right? So you're right. Yeah. So obviously those are engines that are being used by studios and you might go into a studio using that engine but then a studio or a developer or a company you work for is going to need you to have fundamental skills beyond that, right? So that's the challenge. And I know you've talked about this before in, in, in gamesindustry.biz articles. It's got to be a mix of teaching fundamental technical skills mixed with current industry practice. And that's always a challenge because you don't know where that graduate is going to go. Are they going to go to a big AAA studio? Are they going to go to a smaller 
develop a team? Are they going to set themselves up and therefore require you know the business and commercial skills they need to do that? So it's not easy to try and cover all those areas right for a degree so it is a challenge but i think some universities do that really well some universities do a a studio style environment which i think is really important where you have a cross-discipline approach so if you're a programmer you're working a team on a project with artists and designers maybe producers as well so you get that mix of working with different people because that's essentially what making a game is it's making a, a a game with other people and mixing with people in different disciplines. So if you can do that at university, then, then that, all the better. I think it's it's as well that so-called soft skills are often the most important ones that you that you come out with. So whether it's a FE or HE um, and you're doing a games course, you need to be making games and you need to be working in a team and all of those disciplines that you expect when you when you get into work have to be part of a course and and over the last two years I've spent some time in FE institutions different colleges talking to universities and and sometimes you find students who've gone through the whole three years and they haven't ever made a game in its entirety they'll have done parts but they won't come out with that portfolio Mm. that's that's so important Mm. and as Luke said these days, you can all a lot of the software is available for you. So, what employers are looking for are you is that a, a graduate or a student can demonstrate that they've worked in a team and made a game. But I think also the other thing is when you find you know tutors in education, um, it's hard for them to get industry experience and and to have know the most up-to-date techniques because they may have worked in industry and been out for a few years and how do we work with them so that they are using the most current techniques and up-to-date software true yeah that's so you're asking me a question there right um it's interesting so you can't as a university can i play bad cop very quickly can i be liam neeson (laughs) lego movie bad cop you'd be liam gallagher so if you're a university there's no excuse now not to engage with a developer or a studio uh what is it the uk uh, there's a uk games map that uk do yeah at the last count there's like two thousand games companies in the uk so it's not like a university or a college or any school they can't reach out to someone there's there's they can do that right now so it's just how they reach out to that and how they build that into that course so like we're saying make it so that you know you, you invite like a, a a game developer in at the beginning of the course to inspire those students a couple of months later you bring that person back or you show them the results of that talk about look these are the the games they're now making or this is what they're doing based on how you uh, spoke to them and inspired them in that in that first talk so i always think about that like the university's tutors the college tutors they've got to work hard at that engagement even hosting events, like, I'm, I'm going to chip in with this. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I've always been impressed by um, it's uh, Brains Eden, which is run by uh, Anglia Ruskin University in Cambridge. Yeah. And they work specifically, and uh, they work very closely with um, the local studio, so Jagex, Frontier, like all mm. the, the, because Cambridge is a, a hotbed of talent for 
technical industries, and and that's why there's so many game studios up there. But as, you know, as I've, I've spoken to developers up there before, there's always the danger of, well, yes, someone can come out with the technical qualification and technical skills, but they'll get be more money in banking or IT security than they will in games. So Brains Eden um, has become. It started off as just a kind of a games jam, but it's evolved to it's now a games jam with like CV clinics and a careers kind of mentorship thing and a you know, short mini conference around it, like as this kind of yearly event that local students and students from you know, universities all around Europe can kind of go to. And and, and I think I, I point to that personally as a, as a good example of the industry working with academia because, like I say, JAGX get involved. Like I think mm. the winner usually gets some sort of um, internship or, or certainly a visit to the studio. I mean, I, that's that's my, my go-to example. Like, what would yeah. your examples be of... of of, of industry and academia working together really well. I'm glad you mentioned that. I go to Brains Even as well, and I haven't seen you there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a big fan of Brains Eden, uh, and I agree that's a really good example because it's it's not just that those teams um, get exposure to industry; they get exposure to other teams from around the world. Like the, the last one, they had teams from China, mm. from universities in China. They had teams from uh, they do Finland, obviously uh, Amsterdam. Uh, there's a huge range of teams, and I think that's really important. The networking thing. Um, in terms of other ways to engage, uh, Abate University have run Dare as a as a course, development yes. program for a number of years. I've always found that really beneficial. Um, I think there's a what's interesting as well is we keep talking about universities so we, we should branch yeah. this out to college level as well because we're talking uh, in this podcast on the day when university clearing is happening and all the papers are full of people applying to universities and here's our 30 page pullout on how to go to a university and what posters to put on your walls and things like that <laughs> and applications to universities are down this year so is that going to be a trend that we see more and more, that university isn't the go-to for a lot of people coming into any industry, whether it's games or anything else? Mm. So for colleges, I always look at colleges now, and, and there's a college, Cambridge Regional College, doing some incredible stuff. They go out to E3 every year and wow. showcase on the E3 floor student-made games. And so they've just done that for the last couple of years. Uh, I've been talking to them for the last uh, year, and they're, they're working on PlayStation now. So that sort of thing, just reaching out to companies, you can do that. So there's nothing to stop any college reaching out to any game developer and saying, hey, look, we've got some really talented pupils here. And I think Luke made the point, FE are now kind of wising up as well and, and engaging a lot more and at next gen we work with with that sector in particular um at the behest of our employer group because they actually wanted to reach students before they went to university and to get them learning the fundamental skills so i think that's also key that we don't just talk about graduate entry into mm. into our industry because that's changing we've got apprenticeships coming through they're coming through slowly in games but we are building uh, apprenticeships I'm working with Ubisoft and a community manager apprenticeship at the moment. So there are different routes in. And I think within our industry, we have been very obsessed with graduates and we're still heavily graduate-based industry. Mm. But I'm starting to see that slowly change. And particularly at the risk of turning back on our conversation, like particularly with things like Unity Unreal, Game Maker, you know, all, all the engines, like you can... You can self-teach yourself games yep. development. There's so much documentation and support out there. We're almost in danger of getting to the stage like, well, why do we even need universities? Why not just take FE or, or you know, school-educated students 
I, I mean, is it, are universities really adding value to the, the, the route into the industry? So that's an easy question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you go first, Luke. There's... If you get the right university, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one one aspect I really like about universities is they can be a hotbed of innovation. Can I use that phrase? Is that, yes, you that, can. Yeah, go for it. Um, <laughs> so it can be a way for you to try out things that you wouldn't be able to try out outside of that. If you're trying to you know, make a living making games very early on, you know, there's a pressure on you. But if you're at university, you can learn to fail at university, and that's how people make better games, right? We always talk about don't be afraid of failure, and, and universities should really promote like trying out new, innovative ways of making games, get students making things they wouldn't get a chance to otherwise, get them mixing as a team where they maybe wouldn't have otherwise been able to meet other people, um, meet other designers or programmers or artists, but also people from non-games backgrounds as well. So as much as we talk about um, teams um, making games and you know, programmers, artists, get people working from different departments in university, whether it's sociology department, psychology department. That's what I love about going to some universities. You see how these teams work together. So you'll get a computer science department working with um, the medical department doing some incredible work on VR. Non-game VR stuff is, yeah. is really big at the moment. So that's what universities can do. They can open your eyes to things you've never seen before or people you wouldn't have had a chance to meet before that's, so that's great that's where the value is as yeah. well and um because university is that ground uh, that kind of grounding where you can learn to learn as luke said in a safe environment and you can try new ideas out meet people that you would never would have met from all around the world or all around the country and, and network so i don't think we're not criticizing universities it's we're mm. not saying this is 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 not a good route anymore um it's just that it's, it's opening up and there are other routes. And as you say, you know, it's people can go and make games themselves. Mm. So I guess a university, you know, it has to, has to respond to the industry, right? And that's not going to be easy because we're, we're fast moving. That's not to blow our own trumpet, is it? It's, it's, no, you know, it's that's, just that's, a, it, yeah. that's a, I'll be Mr. Obvious on that one. <laughs> uh, it's a very agile industry. So I guess the challenge is for, for university to say, right, so if you're a graduate and you're going to find that first job, as a university, what do we give you that can help you uh, land that first job? And so it is about like the, the degree or the qualification you get is going to be important. But you talk to any employer now, they'll look at the, the CV and they want to see the, your portfolio or what you've made before that your qualification. So university has yeah. got to come in and say, right, how are we going to get you making projects? How are we going to get you making things? that you can then show to someone. And if you can then say, actually at university I made this thing and I published it, and here you download it from this store, that's that's even cooler. Definitely, particularly with the, the lower barrier to entry, like you know, mobile games, there's practically no barrier to entry to get a game, you know, game out on mobile. Steam, you know, similarly. And I believe like, like PlayStation and Xbox, both, like, you know, both platform holders are much more open to independent independently published games we've, um, yeah we've got student teams making games on playstation right now so if you go on the playstation blog from maybe a month back you can see a team a student team there talking about their game uh, how that's coming to playstation store in the next few months so yeah that i mean it's a challenge obviously stepping up from say developing and publishing on mobile doing that on console is going to be a step up but that's a great learning curve to go through when you're at university yeah and luke and i both work with um the prince's trust in and um, we do fi a five-day program in game design and at the end of that five days they've got a tiny slice of a game that they've made you know they came mm. in on the monday they might have known very little about it and we get industry in to talk to them 
But at the end of that five days, they've got a little slice of a game and a, a marketing campaign to go alongside it, um, which they can then use to take to a prospective employer. So I think there, there's no reason for you not to have a brilliant portfolio at the end of a, a degree course. And I should qualify that. When Marcia says, uh, <laughs> Luke and I work together on the Princess Trust, Marcia does most of that work. I come in and steal your thunder <laughs> by, saying, by saying, here are some PlayStation t-shirts. <laughs> but you're right, the Princess Trust is a really good way to, to, to reach out. So companies can get involved in the Princess Trust work. And I think that's a really good thing to do. It's, it opens up the industry to new talent, to people from diverse backgrounds. And we, yeah, we haven't touched on that yet, but how do we as an industry address that? So the imbalance we have in terms of what is it? We've got four latest figures, 48% of gamers are women. Only 22% of the, the games industry workforce are women. Um, so how do we address that? And as much as we talk about universities trying to redress that balance, it's got to start earlier than that, right? We've got to, we're, we're talking to about universities, colleges, talk about schools and coding in schools. And mm. that's a challenge we've got to address as well. So I was going to ask, like, you know, which, which level needs to be engaged with the most? Because it strikes me, like, by university level, if someone is on a games-related course, they are already fairly set on getting a career in the games industry. So kind of convincing them to, to come in and, and you know enticing them to work for your company is is easier, he says in quotes. Um, then it, you know further education similarly, like someone may have already hopefully already decided by that point the general area they want to do you know they want to work in when when they leave education. But you know schools like is there. Is there more that the industry can be doing to encourage schools to say, look, this is a valid career path. You can you could grow up and work in games. Well, I think you need to start with parents. I think mm. we need to be a lot better as an industry in actually um, blowing our own trumpet in that, you know, this is a viable industry. You can have an amazing career. I've worked in games since don't know if I ought to say this, but I've worked in, in games since 1999. Um, you don't look it, Marcy. So I think that's one of the things we've got to do is start to engage on that level and talk about the careers in the games industry because people think careers and they think might think, oh, okay, oh it's just programming, but it's not. It's art, it's sound, it's design. You know, there's HR, there's finance, there's all of these different disciplines that we've got in. And I think we need to be bigger and bolder when we talk about it. Well, that's the thing. Whenever we have this conversation, and whenever I end up having this mm. conversation, it, it inevitably ends up going towards development and programming on the technical skills needed. But as you say, there's so many different disciplines, mm. even outside the game, you know, like for the marketing, PR, mm. and yeah. journalism. Like, you know, to get into games journalism, I'm not going to go through my own story again, but pretty much it's got to the point now where the best way to get into games journalism is to just write. Yeah. Do yeah. your own blog. Genuinely, we 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 gamesindustry.biz, we've currently been in the process of, um, we've recently been in the process of hiring a staff writer. And that the decision was really tough and it came down to what people had written, not just mm. in their working life and, 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 and their previous positions and actual professional capacity, but also what they'd written on blogs and what they'd written you know, in their own spare time. That, that's... For, so I mean, journalism. I have that insight, you know, because I I know the the roots in there. But like for publishing, for PR, for marketing, for all these other different for community management. You mentioned yeah, that there's yeah. an apprenticeship for community management in the works. Like, how do we get more people into those roles? And and how do we how does the industry help education teach people those skills? Well, should we solve that now? Should we try? <laughs> yeah, <I think> right. <laughs> uh, it's 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 tough. Um, 
can I be stats guy again? So look, so we need to trump, like we said, we need to trumpet what the games industry does. Latest figures from Yuki uh, said that the UK games industry contributes £4.2 billion to the UK economy. So we need, you're right, it's the biggest form of entertainment in the world, video games. So how do we, how do we give it that status it deserves? It's not easy. There are some really good schemes going out there at the moment. Uh, Yuki, again, they do Digital Schoolhouse, which is powered by PlayStation. That's all about um, primary school children learning how to code, learning their first taste of programming. Uh, just this week, I've seen Lego, Lego Education, launch a new scheme about getting young people coding. Yeah. Again, there's no lack of support out there. There's code clubs that happen all over the UK, after school clubs where children can learn to code. And again, so many people give their time to those. So you go to any kind of video developer, or sorry, game developer, someone in there is going to a code club and engaging with their local school or college. And there's all the game jams that go on regionally. And one of our colleges, Sunderland, they always take part in the big games jam up there um, and they get involved. And when you know young people then can go home and show their parents what they've actually made, or done in these summer camps or, or five-day programs. I think that's really important as well. But it's a big question. I don't know how you solve that. Well, I think we're getting better. So you've got obviously Raspberry Pi kicked it off. Yeah. Um, Ian Livingston is a really good champion of this as well. Uh, you've got schools like Ada. Uh, you've got Studio School in Liverpool. I think it's a really interesting school as well, where they teach uh, via projects. And they're starting younger. They're, I think they're starting at age 14 as well. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's about having these forums or having these these ways that you can, as a, as a company, if you're a small company, how can you feed into this ecosystem? How can you say, look, we're going to be part of this. We're going to join up and support Digital Schoolhouse or we're going to work with code clubs. Uh, it's not easy, but it takes, it takes hard work on both sides, right? Yeah, both both sides of the, of the coin, be, uh, education, yeah, education and industry. I think it's it again. There's no lack of will. Um, at Next Gen, what we do is um, our role specifically is to is to join up those gaps between education and and training providers and FE colleges and Princes Trust and and get um, get industry involved. And once you get people involved, you can keep them in within that system within the ecosystem because there's there's benefit to both sides and I think one of the really exciting things for me is when you bring industry in someone in who you know who their day-to-day -day job is working programming and and they almost have hero status to the young people and it's brilliant because that passion can go both ways it can make you really excited about the job and the work that you do mm. all over again and they also come up with great ideas when you're working with the young people there's you can see that exchange going on yeah, and you you were saying earlier as well, like you know, kind of it comes down to engaging the parents as well, and I, I, hopefully that becomes easier going forward because obviously, as the generation, the, the generation that's now having children is almost certainly grown up with video games, so they won't view them in the way that previous generations do as this kind of well, that's not a real, not a real job, and so hopefully that kind of that, that makes things that makes things easier. And also, we have to stretch our definition of what a game is hmm. now. With, with VR, then we're seeing what we call non-game applications in VR. So, our, our kind of what our traditional definition of a game was that doesn't really hold sway anymore. So, I think that's really interesting as well. And when when you get people playing these types of games, and it's not a, a kind of classic game where you think 
do I run, jump, shoot? It's, it, it could be something completely different from that. So I think that's good that we and we can talk about games in a much more inclusive way now. Well, the fact that like I took off an almost a tangent. The fact that if if you really wanted to get into say games writing, um, but there aren't really any kind of games writing degrees, and there's not really any kind of defined route into into the industry. But there is Twine, you know, the the downloadable software that you can um, you know install on your computer and write a kind of a, almost choose your own adventure style branching narrative. And use that as part of your portfolio, like and, and upload this to the web for people to play free. Like there's there's different ways of kind of teaching yourself different skills, which I think is is kind of fantastic. It's a really kind of enabling age. That's a horrible phrase, sorry, <laughs> but we're we're in that kind of enabling yeah. age of, uh, of the industry, which is which is great. Yeah, and it, and it's, you, you mentioned it before when you're recruiting for your staff writer, you weren't necess- necessarily asking which of these has the better journalist degree or writing mm. degree it was what are they producing what can what are they showing me that that marks them out as yeah we want them to work with us and likewise you don't have to get a game degree to work in games mm. so many companies now recruit people who have come from different disciplines but have learned to make games themselves or bring something different to their team and that's what games are now they need new voices to come in and 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 create these new experiences which brings us back to diversity as well it's like I almost planned it. <laughs> well, um, whenever I'm covering this sort of stuff, um, uh, education seems to go hand in hand at the moment with with talk of the skills gap, the skill shortages. Um, uh, but, but it's never quite fully defined. Like, what skills are we lacking? What are the, what are the holes that need plugging? And <laughs> again, this is another easy question <laughs> you're asking us, James. We'll just solve that right here. It's it's difficult to talk on behalf of the whole industry and. There, there's work that needs to be done on that, I think. So as an industry, we need to be better at, at researching and and uh, having whether it's surveys about who works in the industry and, and what we need. But there's always going to be those central tenets of what um, the games industry needs. It will always need people who can program, who have those fundamental technical skills. So as much as engines now are more prevalent, you're always going to need people with those fundamental technical skills. I still think we need people with project management skills and maybe that's something that more university games courses can bring in where possible um, because that's that's an even more uh, important part of working within teams and like you said not every person is going to be making games they could be working in QA they could be uh, working as a kind of producer team lead that that kind of skill needs to be taught as well about how you do that I think it, we well what we identified um, when we were talking to employers across games animation and VFX because a lot of the schools are the same. It, what appears to be missing is that real link with creative and technical. So you know you can program, but you also understand how the art and the sound fits in. So it's people who, especially in games where you would, it's not all big studios like uh, Sony or Microsoft or Ubisoft they're you know we're made up predominantly of, of SMEs mm. so where you need to be maybe a little bit more of a generalist so people who mm. know you know more about the production cycle cycle and art don't just know programming and that's it but understand how it all fits together I think that's also really key I'll try and outphrase you uh, James. So yeah, we need that that pipeline. They need to understand yeah. the pipeline of what games development is, and that's so you're not siloed in terms of. Well, I know how to program, but if you're a programmer who knows, uh, I know a little bit of um, how these artists work, or I know a bit of level design. Uh, I have some project management skills, and 
if you can if you can do that classic I'm, I'm a specialist in in one area but I have a really broad knowledge base alongside that then that's always going to stand you in good stead um, well, I really appreciate your time, so I'm going to ask you one more question um, before I before I release you. <laughs> um, kind of, what's the most important advice you'd give to any kind of employers that are listening? So, studios, publishers, service firms, QA firms, etc. Because assuming they've managed, managed to make it this far through this episode, not dismissing it as well, I don't need to listen to this. Is that one. critiquing us already? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, no, I mean, in terms of the subject like uh-huh. this is very much so far I've been um, applying to people, partly applying to people who are interested in getting a career in games. But for those who are already in games and are looking to recruit more people, what is the best thing that they can do to kind of help out their local education? As you say, like, you know, like universities can easily look up mm. studios on UK Games Map, but how can studios, publishers, etc., get in touch with their local universities, colleges, schools, and actually start reaching out to younger people? I, that, you can you can look at your uh, local game festivals. I think a lot of universities get involved in those now. Um, but also listen to your staff or listen to other people you work with. They'll have come from a, a college, a school, a university. And most of the time what you find is that universities, when they get industry speakers, they're, they're alumni. They're people that studied there before. So if you're a company, if you're an uh, employer or if you own that company, then you're going to have links to universities or colleges just naturally. So you'll know which ones are good there. Then look at organisations. So work with people like NextGen. Go to Yuki and Tiger and look at what they do. So don't be afraid to, to reach out. And I think the, the, the big message is that, you know, how do you craft that next generation of talent? So if you're recruiting, then you can have a hand in, in helping to shape your next, you know, team member, your next employee, your next colleague by reaching out to colleges and universities, helping them to, whether it's, being on an advisory panel about their curriculum, whether it's giving that talk and setting project briefs, which we haven't talked about yet, but you know, how do you how do you inspire people with a challenge or hey look, we'll give you an asset, see what you can do with this. So I think you can do that as a university and it shouldn't be seen as a uh, oh I've got to do this now. It's it most people come from it from a really good angle of I want to give advice and I want to give back to these young people. I want to help someone get that first job and make that first step. And also pick out the future stars because if you're working directly with a university or a college or you come along and and work with NextGen or Digital Schoolhouse, you're actually seeing young people just right at the beginning of their career. So there's a real value, not just in terms of, you know, a feel good factor about helping, but you can start to pick out the stars of the future. Um, We had a showcase for our four colleges uh, at Big Bang a couple of months ago and we got 30 employers and 60 students and they were amazed at the work that they produced and I know that they're already starting to take note. So I would say, yeah, get in touch with the organisations and I'm going to plug us such as NextGen and and Digital Schoolhouse and, and get involved. And be inspired, right? That's your, your point exactly, Mars. When you go to these events, when you when you go to these showcases and you talk to young people, you can't help but leave leave that being yeah. really passionate and going back to your desk and going, that's why I work in this industry that I work in, to have that passion, to have that enthusiasm and to have that, yeah, I'm, I feel like what I do is good. Yeah, totally agree. 
Brilliant. And that's a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much for your time today. That's fantastic. We'll be back soon with another episode of the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. Until then, you can find all your news, insight, and analysis at GamesIndustry.biz. Thank you.